This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. Joining us today at the round table of dimmed lighting is entrepreneur, investor, author, and co-founder of Reddit, one of the most popular websites on the internet, Alexis Ohanian. I got to take issue with you there, Link. You said dimmed lighting again. I'm just, you know, you can say it how you want to, but it's dim lighting. The no, lighting no, is it dimmed, is. but dim lighting is, I mean, I'm just, I'm gonna take a stand here. I really think you should take the D off. I too am gonna take a stand and it's dimmed. So you say it your way, I'll okay. say mine. Uh, Alexis sold Reddit just over a year after starting it, but now he's back as a Reddit board member, but when he's not Redditing, he's focusing his time and energy on founding and investing in companies that fit his model of creating something people love and making the world suck less. Alexis is an inspiration to a generation of people born on the internet and he demystifies entrepreneurship by encouraging people to use the tools around and to be self-starters and to do the things they really wanna do. Mm -hmm. He's also recognized as one of the most influential activists of net neutrality and a champion of internet freedom. Forbes actually called him the mayor of the internet. Well, Forbes says it. Well, then they say it. It must be true. Uh, In this biscuit, we talked uh, with Alexis about the role of Waffle House in the formation of Reddit the origin of AMAs, ask me anything in case you didn't know what that was, uh, the latest on net neutrality and protecting the internet as a level playing field, and what Reddit reveals about humanity in general. Really Ooh. had a great time talking to Alexis, and I hope you'll have a great time listening to it. But first, maybe you've got an idea for the next Reddit. Well, don't let somebody else take that domain name. Mm-mm. Register a domain name now and put your idea online. How does $199 sound? $199? $1.99. Oh, that sounds really good, Link. .com domain. <laughs> Go to GoDaddy.com and use our code GMM you want I have to pee right now, but I'm gonna hold it.com? It yes, I do. Totally I, I worth just, I was thinking that. How'd you know? I also was thinking you, that. Did you That's see it in my eyes? No, I had to. I, I have to, to pee right now, but I'm going to hold it.com. Dot com. Were you thinking the dot com part? Because for $1.99, it can be yours only with our coupon code. Well, I, not anymore. I just took that one. No, you didn't. While you, you were didn't. talking, you I just registered it. it. Uh, visit GoDaddy.com and enter code GMM at checkout for a new .com for only one ninety nine. I know it's a little interesting we're using the GMM code on Ear Biscuits, but guys, it's always a good mythical morning and we do both shows, so you know don't get too confused about this. Some limitations apply, see website for details. Now, on with the biscuit. We read that you you were planning on becoming an immigration lawyer. Yes. But had an epiphany in a Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that Waffle House. Well, you all will appreciate this. I You know what? So I went to school in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, Charlottesville, UVA. Mm-hmm. And there's a Waffle House in Route 29 where... Uh, there's none of them out here, man. We really miss it. This is why I know you all appreciate it. This is... I did a college tour... Um, for my book and I visited 81 or 82 universities talking about my story and entrepreneurship and trying to get people to do amazing with technology and part of it is like go to Waffle House and have an epiphany there and unfortunately that's like a point in your like PowerPoint presentation yes, no literally I'll say I will send you the deck and I I do that in Atlanta and it's like a standing ovation right <laughs> I do that at Georgia yeah, Tech like, or, yeah. oh yeah Everyone's full. There's seven within a mile radius. Yes. And incidentally, that's why I know way too much of Waffle House. That's why it's yellow and black, is because the guy who founded it was a Georgia Tech alum. Um, I don't know if this changes people's opinions. (laughs) And there might be some bulldogs out there who are like, never going to Waffle House again. But, um, you know, there are parts of the country where no one 
has ever been to or even heard of a Waffle House, and it that just falls PowerPoint totally flat. And just, I have to just, just like delete. And I yeah. Just, what I'm is the like, furthest west? What is the furthest west that they go? I mean, it's not it's further not much than past Texas, Texas, oh, Oklahoma, right. yeah. probably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, they're mm, yeah, it can't be further than I Texas, looked it Oklahoma. up uh, yesterday. Uh, that's a fact. Not much past oh, Texas. Well. Yeah, we can change that though. I yeah, mean, it's not in the northeast model. either. That's where a lot of good things no. stop. You know, West Texas. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you how you like your hash browns? Oh man, scattered oh, and mm-hmm. uh, smothered. So cheese mm-hmm. and not in the not in the. You gotta break it up. I like the cr- I like the crunch, man. Uh, but I'm a simple man. I like them scattered, smothered, and what's onions covered? Uh, capped, not capped. Mm. You mm. totally made that up. Yeah. How do you eat capped yours? is mushrooms? Oh, I don't like it. I, I do like capped, it. smothered, covered. What do you put when you when you put jalapenos in there? Spiced. I, I do every. I, don't know. I do everything that they offer. Oh, we wow. got a we got a brush wow. up. Yeah, whatever I'm, that is. I, I'm a simple man. I don't. I try not to. I I just don't want to ruin it. But you had an epiphany there. Oh yeah, right. Because I was going to be a lawyer, and uh, and I walked out of an LSAT prep class uh, on a Saturday morning with my buddy Jack, and we just went to Waffle House because we were hungry. We decided we it were was three a.m. You hungry. were totally drunk. <laughs> no, we were that's the probably recovering. Okay. But it was it was very early on a Saturday and it was one of these SAT things like Kaplan does where they put you in a room. It's like a mock oh sorry, LSAT. It's mm-hmm. like a mock LSAT where you're in there for like however many hours. And and it just I don't know, an hour in, we looked at each other and we were just like, Do we really want to be here? And and we were both hungry and so we just got waffles instead. And you bounced. We left. And it was it was a weird thing because you have to imagine, like for all of I guess for the first two or so years of college, I was really, I was, I, I was obsessing over things like my GPA. I was, ta- I was so just neurotic about, I was a history major too. And I loved history, but it was eating away at me because I was thinking like, I gotta, I gotta study for the LSAT. Like if I don't do this, I don't do this. And I was trying to check all these boxes and for me to just walk out of that and then sit there eating waffles, I realized, you know, maybe I don't really want to do this. And if it's going to cost as much as it's going to cost, and it's three years and a piece of paper that says I can basically only be a lawyer, I should really want to do it. And it was then that I just decided, oh, the law, I'm going to have to figure out something else to do with my life. And fortunately, that was, you know, start a company with my buddy, Steve. And so the complete epiphany, like the complete plan didn't scatter out of Waffle House. (laughs) It did not. That's you didn't have right it now. covered right from the start. <laughs> it was yeah. a general feeling nice. at that point that I've, I, I, I got to do something that I want to do. Yes. But yes. it wasn't like, oh, and hey, and here's the idea. Here's the plan. And it's on the napkin. I did not I did not draw this on a Waffle House napkin. But your your first idea was food-related, right? It was. Yeah, Sheets, uh, Sheets Gas Station, other institution that a lot of folks, depending on where you grew up, have no idea. Um it, it is it's a big luxurious gas station, like a Wawa. It, it's yeah. like when you drive into Sheets, it's like you're in <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, like I'm afraid. I'm afraid of Sheets. Don't be afraid. Really? Of you like, can press the freaking screen while the gas is pumping and get mm-hmm. a cheeseburger by the time it's done. Yeah, that's yeah by magic. The, when I'm mm-hmm. pumping gas and that those fumes are like going up my nose, I immediately crave a hot dog, mm-hmm. and I want to yes. touch a screen and order it. Yeah, because. You're normal, right? Yeah, that's just you invented sheets. Is that what you're trying <laughs> to tell me? Steve Huffman and I invented sheets. We we were that was the that was the place like you'd look forward to stopping when you were driving and you needed to get gas because you knew that you'd have this amazing touchscreen inside. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't. It's not that I don't like talking to people. It's just that like it in, was cool, cool experience. Yeah, in 2004, like to know that you could just like walk in, touch a screen, place yeah. your order, and then go like 
mess with like I don't buy some peanut M and M's or something. It's like, one of those moments where you you're like, I am in the future. Yeah, I love those moments. Yeah, when you're at Sheets and you're touching the screen, you realize you're in the future. And and my buddy Steve, ever the efficient technologist, was like, Why do I have to go inside to touch the screen? I have a phone. Why can't I just place the order out here? And then it'll be ready. And and he's telling me this. And we were having, I don't know, we're probably we were probably drinking, eating some pizza, whatever, sitting around the living room. And I'm like, but dude, you could use this anywhere. Like anywhere you want to skip the line, mm-hmm. you could just use your phone. Now remember, this is before smart like the smartest phone at this point was like a Blackberry or a trio. This has got to happen on a flip phone. In other yeah. Words. And so this is like, how do we so basically using SMS, like, is there a way to allow people to place orders? And and the more we thought about it, the more we thought this could this could change the world, right? Classic startup stuff. Okay. And and I talked him out of his. He had a job lined up pretty much from freshman year. He had a job at a software company in Virginia that was like, as soon as you graduate, like we don't care what your GPA is, like you got a job, you're great. And I talked him out of it to work on this company with no certainty whatsoever, no funding, probably no hope of being profitable anytime soon. Uh, I think just based on the premise that we could keep working in our underwear. <laughs> and and like hopefully work on stuff that we loved and play video games the rest of the time and uh, and it's a good thing he said yes because did don't you know lay the do. groundwork for this or what was the what exactly happened with the idea so we did all the things and it, it's funny now if someone just were to hit Google I mean YouTube didn't even exist but like you could just you could find a wealth of resources for like how to start a company. Mm-hmm. And you guys just trust me, like there weren't, there just weren't nearly as many back then. Mm-hmm. And so we went that, like, I, I remember asking my commercial law professor, like, how do we start a company? And he was like, well, go down and talk to this lawyer. He's like, I'm a professor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in theory, well, he, he said he'd just go talk to this lawyer. So he found a lawyer in town who incorporated us as a LLC in Virginia. So lawyers are really good at introducing you to other, other lawyers. lawyers. I wonder if he got a kickback. He was a, he was a good <laughs> professor, though. But, you know, so we got the little certificate of incorporation. I went and, you know, opened a bank account at Bank of America. All this stuff that, like, at the end of the day, excuse me, at the end of the day wasn't that important. Like, it was just the sort of window dressing stuff you have to do. And then just started talking to restaurants in Charlottesville. This is Did a, you have a name? Yeah, I was very proud of this. Um, let me know what you guys think. It's called My Mobile Menu or <laughs> or mmm. Oh, not not, not bad. Mmm. Yeah. It tastes good. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, very, like, very 2004. Tastes yeah. like oh, <laughs> I know. No, I know. No, no, I like it. I'm happy I'm happy it it eventually got shut down. So, we'd worked on this for a year and I talked to every like, there are not a lot of restaurants in Charlottesville, but I talked to all of them. And I was like, how do we get you signed up? Like, let's, the way we were going to hack it was going to involve fax machines. Cause at this point, <laughs> wow, faxes were the way people were doing online. I'm putting right. in quotes ordering is like you'd sit at your computer and like it was delivery.com, campus food. Well, you, you'd go online, place the order, and then a, it would spit out a fax inside of the restaurant. Right. Um, so not the most high tech solution, but we thought, all right, we can hack it. We can make this work. And we spent about a year doing research, sort of signing up, not quite, yeah, basically signing up clients. And then we went and had this chance encounter with this guy, Paul Graham, who Steve had idolized, who was really making a name for himself as this sort of internet pundit. And uh, we heard him go talk on our senior year spring break. We went up to Boston. We were the only kids in Charlottesville who were going north for spring break their senior year. And there was a lot of snow. We heard this dude give a talk. And I approached him afterwards and said, I think probably said, Dr. Graham, uh, it would totally be worth the cost of buying you a drink to get your opinion on our startup. Like we came all the way up from Virginia. And I think that's what clinched him because he was shocked 
that we i don't know had trains sure. or I, like that we came all <laughs> yeah, the way yeah. up from virginia and i was like yeah we came from virginia and he met with us for coffee that night we pitched him on mm, and he loved it and we were like yes we did it like this is amazing like this is the guy he had started a startup in the last bubble sold it to yahoo done very well like this was a guy who steve really respected we're like, this is amazing. Like, we have an advisor now. We have a mentor. We might even have an investor if we play our cards right. Mm -hmm. And about a month later, he announced Y Combinator, which was this pretty radical idea where they would give a little bit of funding. It was about $6,000 per founder to, like, basically just work for a summer, three months, just do nothing but write code and get users for your company mm -hmm. in exchange for a little bit of equity. And then at the end of those three months, they'd set you up with a bunch of investors for, like, a demo day. And you'd pitch what you're talking about or to a room full of rich people and hopefully they write you some checks and you know this announcement comes up and steve and i are looking at each other we're, we're now probably two months away from graduating at uva and and to be clear we're not like the cool dropout story like we we did get our degrees uh <laughs> but we saw this and we thought this is amazing like we met this dude he liked our idea he started this program to invest in companies just like us we have to apply so we did we figured we got a good shot of course he already liked us mm -hmm. So we get back on the train. We go up for interviews because we had to meet the rest of his partners. And mm -hmm. um, we pitched. And it was the pitch of our lifetime, dude. We it, it was amazing. Everyone's asking questions. And I've just got answers. And Steve's just killing it. it you it were was like awesome. flipping open your phone and like typing text. And then food like, was food showing was up. Appearing. Yeah, right. It was Everybody was going, mm, Yes. Mm, 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 mm. They loved it. Loved it. And that night we got the and call. And then one guy was like, Campbell Soup already has the corner on the mm, mm, mm. Oh, that's it's right. Over. We could have rebranded. We could have <laughs> well, rebranded. That's, mm, mm, mm. that's different. This that's, is mm. this is just one. Mm. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah. Obviously, Screw Campbell soup. Yeah, right. Campbell soup. Lawyers. I've only watched Shark Tank. I've not been on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you can imagine this room was electric, and everyone was so excited. And so that night, Steve and I go out. We're celebrating. And we get the call, and they let us know that they had rejected us. Oh. <laughs> and they said, That's exactly what Paul Graham said on the phone. It was, it was awkward. It's um, more like, mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm to mm. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the good news was we were already drinking, so then it went from celebratory <laughs> drinks to, like, I don't know, misery drinks. And, and it sucked. It really sucked. Um, and did he... Did he give you a reason? Yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was the right reason. Um, you know, he said it's just it's so early right now, yeah, too soon. Um, you know, your both the setups are going to be really hard because getting so consumers are only going to use it if the restaurants are on it. Getting the restaurants on board, it's kind of a chicken egg thing. Yeah. But the restaurants back then, especially, were like not at all interested in any kind of technology in their uh, back rooms. Like they're still using fax yeah, machines, right. and the technology we would offer was kind of an ugly hack. Like it would have been some kind of SMS. There was no app store. So it would have been these ugly text messages. Like it just, it was just too early. But it led to the next, did it lead to Reddit? Was that well, the next step? Well, that night, uh, oh yeah, so we were drinking and and it sucked. It really did. Um, and then the next morning we're hung over on the train back to Virginia and we got a call from Paul. Waffle House. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I have Waffle an idea. Wants. Waffle House. Mm. Waffle House calling. They're like, get in here. You guys we got are... we got fax machines at every location. You know, it's it may not be too late for this. Yes. But I I pick up and it's Paul and he says, listen, we still don't like your idea, <laughs> but we like Thanks, you. Paul. You got. Were you, 
Were you on that call? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what he said. And it was specifically, it wasn't even Paul. I have to give credit where it's due. One of his other, the, one of the other founders of Y Combinator, Jessica Livingston, she was the one. She was the only advocate of the four who banged on the table and was like, their idea is terrible, <laughs> but I really like them. We should give them a shot. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who got us in. And, and oh, so, so you were in. So we they were. There was a in. twist. And they said, listen, as long as you change your idea. <laughs> work, work on something different. Work start on over. anything else. Start on something in that a browser, that not you've on been a working, phone. Working yeah. on for a, over Take a year. Take it out back, shoot it in the head, yeah. right. forget about it. Yeah, that's what happened. And, and we went, we got off the next stop, took the first train back up to Boston. We were somewhere in like, I don't know, Connecticut at the time. And they gave parameters. They said something browser related, you said? Yeah, they said, don't build it in a phone, build it for something in a browser. And we sat down for about an hour and had like a brainstorming session. And and PG or Paul basically said, well, what do you all do every morning? Like solve a problem you have every morning. Like sit me down, let's talk. This is, and he's, he's very good. Great advisors, I think, are really good at sort of drawing out this stuff um, with questions. Mm-hmm. And Steve was like, I read Slashdot every morning and, and I'm really interested in the commenting section. There's a lot of interesting content there. And I would their tabs were a new thing back then. And so I'd open up like 20 tabs every morning and look at 20 different news websites just to get a broad range. And he was like, do you think either one of you have a good solution for that? Like, do you think either one of you are getting all the sort of news you think is interesting? And we were like, well, no, these don't seem optimal. And he was like, all right, build a solution for that. Build your front page for the internet. And I was like, okay, this guy wants to give us 12 grand to build a front page for the internet. Sucker. <laughs> like, all right, all right, we'll do it. Uh, and, and so that's, that's what we set out to build. And that was the, that was that one phrase we tried to fulfill, um, and are still trying to fulfill, uh, to this day now. But what was the process like? So when you do, when you, you're given this money, Mm -hmm. you go to San Francisco, right? Or Mm -hmm. no, this is all in Boston. Back then it was in Boston. It's it's in Boston. And they put you up someplace and what kind of space do they give you to work? Like how, how, what was the day to day? So what was so, and this was one of the things that set it apart, that set Y Combinator apart was they didn't give you space and they didn't give you a place to live. Like they basically said, here is a check. You're grown. You'll figure it out. And, and if you're going to start a company, like you should be able to figure out, I don't know how to rent an apartment. Right, right. It's not like you're in bunk beds next to other guys. But that's how like incubators, that is how that would, that was how they were always done. Like that the, the, the way of doing things was, was exactly that. Like, let's just, we'll take care of you. We'll give you a space where you can come in. And, you know, their thinking really was like, just, just go figure it out. You can come once a week for these dinners. We'll bring in an expert who will talk off the record about what it was like starting a company or doing various things. Um, and there you'll meet your sort of compatriots, the other dozen or so companies that are in this batch. But that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you'll meet once a week. And it creates this weird like social, this, this weird social dynamic where you're all friends. None of you are actually competitive with each other, but you're competitive because you're all working on companies. Mm-hmm. And you feel so like guilty if a week goes by and you haven't shipped anything interesting or meaningful. Cause like if you saw each other every day, it'd be like, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, I, you know, I changed the color of a button to blue and, and that, that doesn't feel very meaningful, but in a week you've got enough time to actually ship like real features and see real growth. And so it just created this amazing dynamic. And we were in the first batch that is Reddit, but in the years since, I mean, some of the most, I mean, Airbnb, Dropbox, Twitch, formerly known as Justin TV, Stripe, like these are amazing billion-dollar companies. They're all part of the same program. Um, they're all sort of all came out of Y Combinator through Y Combinator oh, in the okay. exact same way. And dude, it's just 
it, it's been amazing to watch and be a part of because I get to see, I mean, front row. Like, I remember when Airbnb was just three dudes who were just barely scraping by trying to fund their business with, I mean, they were, they were selling cereal boxes. Uh, and then when they couldn't sell a bunch of them, they just ate them and lived off them. But, like, that was a struggling startup for a year and a half. Oh, but, yeah. But Big fan of Airbnb. Look at it now. I and, know that uh, San Francisco is, too, with all those taxes they just paid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. what... How quickly did it take off? I mean, what was the the launch of Reddit? Was it at the beginning of this process? Was it live? And how different is it now than when it first launched? All right. So aesthetically, uh, not terribly different. We need to work on that. Um, not drastically. But um, <laughs> when we, we were the – actually, we were the first Y Combinator company to launch. We – Basically showed up in June and about three weeks later, four, three, four weeks later, Steve and I launched the first version of Reddit. So it's it like three us, weeks worth of development. And it was give janky. us that moment yeah. of launch because I would imagine it's got to be pretty anticlimactic. Extremely anticlimactic because you put this thing online and, and, and also because it's 05, you don't, there's no social media. So you have no way yeah. to really tell people about it. Other than like I had run a message board in college and so I had maybe like 500 emails and so I emailed all those people. We emailed our collective, I don't know, a bunch of people are probably listening being like email. But oh, like, dude, that's we, uh, when we made videos back in the early days, we had a, an email list that we- It still did, converts. Yeah, it yeah, converts super yeah. well. But when you- But ours didn't. We, we had like two people actually use the site and we're like- what well, were you telling them? Uh, I made it go to my website <laughs> where- what the the pitch was and back then there was only one front page you know now there's like there's over eight thousand active communities on the network but there was just one back then because it was just me and steve and we were just submitting the links and we would say like here is a place where you will find what's new and interesting online and anyone can contribute you just submit a link choose a headline and then people will vote it up if they like it and vote it down if they don't and it'll be this like rising and falling list of just interesting stuff from all over the internet and the premise hasn't changed much. It's just we're now at a scale where we like the ambitions of the site back then were let's build this place where like we have this vast network of thousands and thousands of communities. So if you're into uh, if you're into the Tar Heels, there's a community for you. No, we are not. Oh, geez. Oh, wait, NC State? Yeah. Yes, okay. we are. <laughs> Good. You know, there was one other option, and I didn't want to even say yeah. it. You, you, yeah, okay. you, you're smart. Right, so you we're made cool. a good choice. Cool. For you. All right, that's fine. You All right. Kind of um, yeah, you didn't put us third, at least. We would have really kicked you out. <laughs> <laughs> if we're really into the Wolfpack, because somebody's got to be. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. All right, so if you're, who, if you're really into the Wolfpack, really in NC State, there will be a community for you there. Um, if you're really into... There's one called Reddit Lacaristas, which are people just showing off photos of their um, fingernail polish. Yeah, and I'm, all in, I, I'm into that. Or if, Rhett found grilled cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great. Right. Th there was a, actually a schism there because people were posting images of what I guess are considered melts. Yeah. And they were like, this doesn't belong on our grilled cheese. This right. is a community for grilled cheese, not for melts. If you add anything to it, know. what were you saying? It, it, they, the purists just want cheese. Yeah. yeah and they, everything else. And they, butter. Right. Yeah. Mm. I I don't want to get in the middle of this. I <laughs> I want to believe that these two communities can coexist, like the melts and the grilled cheese. Right. I, like if, but that's the. But that, if they can't, they can each have their own subreddit. Exactly. <laughs> and and that was the that was the hope. It's just when we got started, we had two users, <laughs> me and Steve. But the vision 
was what mm-hmm. it is now. Yes, basically the, but, the essence of it. That was that was the one thing we got right. We screwed up a lot of other things. But then, yeah, h- how do you get there? You got okay. You posted a link, mm-hmm. and then he uploaded. He down- no, he d- Steve actually he downloaded, downloaded the first ever submission to Reddit <laughs> by me because he's a. <laughs> and it was what was it? It was uh, it was a link to the Downing Street memo, mm-hmm. um, and and I I submitted it and. Again, there's only two people on the website, and I see it gets downvoted, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking across the table. I'm like, really, yeah, really, be Steve. Ah, there's no one else. And 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 there's got to be a thought. It's like this website may always just be me and Steve. Let's change it to <laughs> me and Steve.com. Well, we we wanted so desperately. We knew because we were the ones submitting a lot of the early content, and for the first week, for the first two weeks we actually submitted under different usernames of course you did so that like someone showing up for the first time would understand it wasn't just steve and alexis submitting links on this weird looking website it was like anyone can and and the moment we knew it was working was a month or about a month in when we just used the website like anyone else we just went on and just read stuff and didn't submit anything and it just worked like there were enough people there weren't a lot (laughs) There were enough, though, that were contributing, and it was good content, and and that was when, all right, we knew we weren't totally wasting our lives. And so you you get this initial uh, funding from Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. That's to develop, right? Then if, yeah. then if they like the idea, do they like? How do you how, wow. how are you making money the first year? So so we raised twelve. So we got twelve thousand dollars from Y Combinator, six grand per founder, and um, and then at the end of the three months, they have this demo day. Now today, demo day is like. It, it's one of the most sought after demo days for anyone doing early stage tech investing. Ashton Kutcher, all the celebrity folk, like it is a scene. Back then, it was like Paul's 12 rich friends in a room in Boston who were just like, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And and we ended up, Steve and I ended up raising $70,000. Now, to us, that was a lot of money because we were like, dude, we're not paying ourselves anything. Like we can live off this for a year and a half, two years. This is amazing. Today, you know, a typical company is going to raise a million, million and a half at that same stage. But mm-hmm. back then, we just had different, uh, different mentality, and 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 we thought, all right, great, we raised seventy, so that we have eighty-two. We were very lean. I mean, that's the other great thing too. When you come right out of college, your standard of living is really yeah. low, and it's a great time to start a company because you hopefully don't have any dependents. You're fine living cheap. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a good time to to start a company. So then, what was breakthrough? You know, once mm. once you started using the site with like a number of people, yeah, did it was uh, it, it a slow felt, growth or was yeah. it all of a sudden, you know, um, Bill Gates has started using our website? I well that that was a that was a big moment, but it never felt like Reddit has consistently doubled basically every year since the start, but it's over ten years and. You look at stories like um, Snapchat's what everyone's talking about right now, but even Instagram still, and that growth is obscene. Like in and, and Reddit never grew that fast. It kept growing consistently, so it never felt like this kind of whiplash. Like oh wow, whoa! But there were these. There were mm-hmm. definitely moments when we kind of thought, all right, like this is this is a new milestone. Like when the president did an AMA, um, I guess it was four, three, four years ago. Um, like that was amazing, and he also did it from Charlottesville, coincidentally, and so it was a real. But Reddit was already pretty huge. I mean, yeah. It just, but was there an uh, earlier? It, was it really just a slow growth? There was never a whoa. We just went up by a thousand x because 
no. of somebody. You know, you think about, yeah. oh, so-and-so tweeted something and then a, a company blows up or so-and-so's on Snapchat or, you know, it's interesting that Snapchat or Instagram, they all blow up. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon mm. of the of the quote, will it be the next thing? Right. Because of Reddit and the other predecessors that didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Well, and because of the way social media works now, which was not the case when you guys were getting started. Yeah. I mean, that's we, we watched, you know, we watched Twitter get started. We watched Instagram. We've seen all these come up and it has occupied this other. Here's what it is. I think the growth has been very consistent and it had, we've had milestones for sure. Um, there was a, there was a rally to restore sanity and or fear that Stephen Colbert did. Yeah. Um, that was, it wasn't, it, it, it looks like it was started by some random user on Reddit who had this idea of doing this rally, but it, the rally, sorry, was already in the works beforehand. But what happened over the span of a couple months was, Oh, I know Steven's a son of North or South Carolina, so let's just go easy on him. But he really did a great job sort of egging on Redditors. And to get his attention, they ended up raising, he's on the board of Donors Choose. Um, I think they raised $800,000 for basically the explicit purpose of getting Steven's attention to hold this rally. Mm -hmm. And so watching that happen was another one of those moments where it's like, what is going on? And, and I... I don't think it I don't think it's been as explosive or it's been as like, oh, we gotta be there. Because every one of the other social media platforms plays really well with celebrities. Hmm. I can tell whether you're a brand like the New York Times or whether you're a brand like Lady Gaga, I can tell you or your people, like, here is how you play on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Snapchat's a little trickier, but like there are rules of the road for how to do that, and it benefits you as a celebrity. Mm -hmm. Because Reddit is just a username, and because like what could be on the front page of Reddit could just be a dude who took a photo of his cat, and it was really interesting, and millions of people are going to see it. It doesn't. It it is it is more democratic in the sense that it is less about who you are and more about what you have to say. Is That's that not perfect, why? But is that why it's all about text? Like, I think the first time you go yeah. to Reddit, it's like, what's with all the text? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there I might have be... to read. Yeah. Is that... Reddit is the YouTube for text. Uh, <laughs> it's... Yeah, that that's mostly a hangover. Frankly, it's mostly a design hangover from 2005. Um, just because, like, image hosting back then sucked. Like, the reason Imager exists, which was born out of Reddit, uh -huh. um, was because image hosting was terrible. If you linked to an image and you got a, a deluge of Reddit traffic, that image host would probably go down mm -hmm. and it would have all these obnoxious ads to top it all off. And so like mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff evolved and a, I mean, a lot of Reddit has stayed constant um, when it comes to the, like I said, the aesthetics of it. But and the text heaviness of it, mm -hmm. is that not a strength of, of the site? Oh, it is. It, it is. It really democratizes all of the content. It really, it, it's a level playing field. If you're Lady Gaga, uh, or if you're, if you're Pamela the Armenian woman, yes, or whatever you yeah. said her Jane, name was, Jane, the worst, no, sorry, Jane the Armenian, the worst made up it Armenian. doesn't, you know, you're just gonna get your nice text out there. You might get a little thumbnail, but yes, and and I think what's interesting is, I think that's part of the reason why. So we have, you know, there there are communities on Reddit like um, our writing prompts, which are amazing. I mean, you 
anyone can go up there and just put up a writing prompt and you'll get amazing submissions from really talented writers who are writing entire narratives in the mm. comments. And and stuff like that is unique to Reddit just because of the the platform works so well for text. There are parts. Um, there's a whole like um, what's a good example? Uh, like food porn, earth porn. There are all these safe for work porn communities that are just it's like beautiful high res photography of like earth or um, you know space or food, and and it's funny how Reddit works for that. Um, even though the photos are still not the like primary focus um in part because the discussions around them all the text is really really interesting and uh and i like i said i don't that was not something we thought about and we're like yes this is what reddit will be it's just sort of happened that way and it's kind of created its own culture i mean you talked earlier about the aesthetic and mm -hmm. feeling a pressure to change but i can only imagine i want to know what changes you've made over the years but i also want to know uh the response to those changes because I can only imagine the backlash that you would get if you tr if if and when it's tidied up mm -hmm. to you know when when something like Twitter or whatever launches today it's like the aesthetic is such a big part of it yes just because of the timing you know when yes. it came about mm -hmm. but now you guys are kind of up against that yeah it's we would never so the guiding principle I mean you could tell this was our first I think I'm pretty sure this was the first web app. Steve or I had ever built. We just graduated from college. We're clearly, I'm really proud of my mascot designing skills, but I, I, I mean, I take responsibility for choosing Verdana as the font of Reddit. Like I, there's a lot of like design baggage just because I'm not. But the red eyed designer. Reddit thing, you designed mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I was, I was bored in And you're class proud of it. Very proud. <laughs> very, that one I will, I will right. totally take credit for. But let's for. take a little tangent. Give yeah. us, give us, just give us the rationale behind that oh. dude. Um, I was bored in class and I was doodling and I drew this thing that I thought would make for a good mascot for a site that we still hadn't figured out what it was going to do. All I knew is at this point we had been accepted into Y Combinator and I had a couple months left in school and we knew we were going to build the front page of the internet, but we had no idea what the anything was going to, how it was going to work or what it was going to do. But I was hell bent on having a mascot because I felt like, but then what is it? It's an alien from the future. It's a time traveling alien. Uh, it, I, like, I, maybe it's a little bit nibbler subconsciously from Futurama. Maybe it's a little bit snork. I've heard that from folks that, that short lived kids show. Like it really was a bored doodle, but then I went home, threw it into photo. No paint shop pro. Oh yes. And five. <laughs> yeah. And it was a cracked copy, but I threw it in there. <laughs> And and tidied it up a little bit and was like, this is going to be our icon. This is going to be our mascot. And the only rationale I can give you is the time traveling part was important because if it time traveled from the future, that means we did not fail, right? As a as a company, so <laughs> that makes you feel better. You that was how it felt yeah. that your doodle came from the future. Yes, that's a great story. Uh, okay. I mean, not really, but the the, the story of it. And what's crazy? But you is, convinced Steve that. <laughs> yes, that's all that mattered. Yeah, man, Steve, dude, dude, it's from the future. Yeah, it landed like, on in. my napkin and uh, MS Paint. Yeah, and then Reddit, the name. That's just a play on words for uh, I read it. I read it on Reddit. Yeah, we were trying to get Snoo S N E W. Like, so people would ask, "What's Snoo?" And we'd be like, "Exactly." But the guy who wanted it. <laughs> Yeah, the guy who wanted it uh, to sell it wanted four grand, and we were like, nope. Mm, yeah. So I'm just looking for other domain names, and I found Reddit was available, 
Um, it was almost spelled R E. I I bought it R E D I T T as well as R E D D I T. Mm. And for like a day, I was calling it the the former. Um, but then one of my friends talked me out of it, and so we went with. You're he calling was just, it Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. yeah, I know. It was, yeah. What was I thinking? I don't know. But how did AMA start? Randomly, some user. Uh, so the the Ask Reddit community, which has always been a pretty popular. Once you go on, you ask a question, you know, people answer. Um, had someone who came on there and instead of asking a question, they said, oh, I'm so-and-so, ask me anything. And everyone in that community was like, what are you doing? Like, that's not how this works. Go start your own. And so they did. And they called it IAMA. And the IAMA community is, you know, that, that's the home to just, I mean, daily, multiple, just amazing real-time crowdsourced interviews. And now other communities on Reddit have sort of picked up the AMA thing uh, meme, just like at replies on Twitter. This is all very organic stuff. Right. And and it's great. If you go on our science, the science community, one of the science communities on Reddit, they'll have regular AMAs with like legit scientists practicing in the field. I was at a science conference in San Jose last week and everyone was telling me, I'm obviously not a scientist, but actual scientists were telling me that those Reddit AMAs, those science AMAs are one of the best ways to bring science hmm. to the public. And you'll know they are... Uh uh, posers by their lies, right? <laughs> well, you Pretty have. Much. Well, here's what's here's what's cool. So they do a certain amount of vetting, um, where you have to like, you know, you can you can verify whether it's through Twitter or whatever that like I am who I am, Doctor So and So. But what happens on the science AMAs in particular is if you aren't like if if you're slipping up in the answers that you're giving, like mm -hmm. there are other scientists reading that stuff yeah. who are going to call you out in real time, and it's happened on a couple of occasions, <laughs> and it gets a little awkward. But, you know, you're self-regulating. Yeah. And this is how the Internet. I mean, like someone's uh, correcting the president on his AMA. I'm sure that <laughs> happened. There's probably one or two. Some of them are maybe pretty grammar tame. slip ups. But like, you know, when I first heard about AMAs, like, oh, people are going to answer anything. But they, uh, like the yeah. president's not going to answer anything. You can ask no. him anything, but he ain't going to answer. But there are people who some will. You might get some like, whoa, answers. Do you have you have any examples of that? Yeah, this one. So, and this is also a, a slight shameless plug for the Reddit podcast. So I interviewed him. It hasn't dropped yet, but we had a, a an amazing interview with um, <clears throat> the guy goes by double dude on the internet. He because... is, he has two fully functioning penises. They're fully functioning? Fully functioning. Okay. Yeah. And he goes into vivid detail about what he can do with them. And this is a horizontal or vertical orientation. Uh, Wait, wait. That's the only That's question. That's the first I have. question. Oh, for him. Oh, I mean, so <laughs> you'll have to read the AMA. He did an AMA that spanned, I think, thirty-six hours. Like he just answered. Well, he's got double the stamina. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> he he just. It, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I mean, I, do you, how do you know? You gotta ask him. Yeah, right. The you should you should read the the. It's fascinating because it really it has because it's a real time kind of crowdsourced interview format. And the best stuff gets voted up like you really get this atmosphere of it being like just a bunch of people around a table just asking someone questions. And it we have celebrities all the time tell us like this was the best interview I have done ever. But what mm -hmm. did because the, it just feels what human. did the double penis oh, yes. dude drop? Did he drop like a bombshell? He he taught he answered. Imagine every question going through your head right now, including you listeners, about what it's like to live a life with two fully functioning penises and nothing was off limits. So it gets a little not safe for work. Uh, but when I followed up with him and when we spoke about it for the podcast, it was like a whole nother side to him because 
he started talking like the, the stuff that we were interested in and the advantage that upvoted gives us is that we can have someone who does this amazing AMA who's talking for 36 hours to millions of people answering all their questions about everything you can imagine. And then we can come back and be like, all right, we saw what happened there. That was amazing. But like, let's talk more. Let, like, let's try to understand you as a person, not just the spectacle of being this dude with two penises. So it's not and, just a freak show. He's a human being. Yes. And, but I do have to ask. Yeah. You were in the room with him. No. Oh, no, so. he's very, very secretive. Uh, yeah. He did. Yeah. He, I, we did this over Skype. I don't even know his name. And you, so you didn't see him. No. You didn't see that. Did I, I did not. I, I mean, it has been verified. Let's just say I did not personally do it, <laughs> okay. but it, he is who he says he is. So, uh, you sold mm -hmm. Reddit. Yes. When in, did that uh, happen and why? 2006. Um, for a variety so of reasons. Pretty early. Real. It was, yeah, it was insane. I mean, that was, that was part of it, right? It was 18 months, 16, October, June, anyway, 16, 18 months into it. And to be 22, 23 and have the opportunity for like that kind of life-changing thing to happen. I really, for me personally, I did not want to that up because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it seemed absurd, right? We've been working on this thing for 60 months. Like it was going well, but it seemed absurd. And I had a bunch of other, I had a lot of personal stuff going on at the time too with my uh, mom. And it just, it was, it was the kind of thing where I did not want to, because who knows what was going to happen. Um, I did not want 10 years from now to be looking back on that moment being like, you idiot, you greedy idiot. And, and so it was, it was pretty much a no brainer for me. Um, the best, seriously, the best phone call I've ever made in my life well, two phone calls were the first phone call I made to my mom when the, you know, the money cleared and everything was done. And I told her like, thank you for believing in me for the last 22 years. And then the second best call was, it should have been to my dad, but I was calling, um, the Washington Redskins ticket office upgrading his season tickets from the nosebleeds <laughs> to front row. And then I called him. Um, but those were the best, like those were the best two phone calls in my life. And I will never have a better phone call than that. And, and so for me, it was totally worth it. And now, you know, I stayed with the company for another three years, uh, a little over three years, then did the Armenia thing for a minute, came back, was an advisor to the company for the last few years, been on the board and about three months ago, rejoined the company in a full-time role as executive chair, and and now I'm back. And this company is is so much bigger, and and I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be back. In so so being back, yeah. you, you know, ten years later, is, is there a sense of, you know, is there ever ever a sense of regret, or is it like, no, I'm glad that everything worked out uh, this way, and I'm back, and, and dude, it happened the way it did. I I would be such an if I regretted anything that has happened to me in the last like seven or eight nine well i guess nine years since we sold reddit mm -hmm. um it is like everything i've been able to do and i mean i literally i have this is the big thing i'm always i mean like i know how lucky i've been this is part of the reason why things like kiva are so interesting to me because i know that like i could have a genetic cousin who especially at least in armenia who like would have just had the bad luck of being unfortunately just born in Armenia. Like I was born in New York. Like right. I just got a bunch of advantages and I've lived every day since college looking forward to my work. Hmm. And like that alone, I mean, I know the jobs my parents did. Like I, I worked enough jobs at like pizza hut to know the difference. And I so appreciate being able to look forward to what I do every day. 
And, and so the fact that I've been able to do that for every day since college because of Reddit, because of that sale, like I have no regrets whatsoever. Have you and Steve uh, continued to work together? How, yeah. What has that relationship been like? So we, um, so we both left Reddit about the same time. He went and got married. Uh, and then he started well, another enough company. said. I know what happens after <laughs> you get married. <laughs> well, he started, he had another company in him. And uh, it was a travel search site called Hipmunk, mm-hmm. like Chipmunk without the C. And, uh, and I rejoined uh, up with him about a week or two before they launched to sort of run. I created their mascot as well. Um, to sort of run all the public-facing sort of marketing, PR, whatever, social media stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been that's, – that's a whole other – I mean, Hitmunk's as big as Reddit is now. And, uh, and if you need any flight or hotel bookings, you should use it. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about – Growing up and working the pizza job and things like oh. that, and kind of having perspective, but a little bit, um, but a little, little a, bit of perspective. Bit, yeah. I, I get it. What I mean, are you the type of person? Did you always have that natural entrepreneurial confidence that led to I'm going to create a business? I'm not. I'm going to like that epiphany at Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Was that out of the blue? Are you the kid that ran the lemonade stand, or was it Reddit that then gave you confidence to start? All the other things that I know you've started before coming back to Reddit. I I was doing I was okay. All my friends, we uh, they're my my best friends. These are guys I've known since kindergarten. I was an only child, so they're basically like my brothers. Um, I was definitely the one who was the entrepreneurial one in the sense that like when we were gonna have a land party, and that's all we. Ne- I literally never went to a party that wasn't a land party until <laughs> okay. college. Um, I would be the one sort of like organizing getting done mm-hmm. and i never ran the lemonade stand but, but i was what, but the land party was your idea too yes yeah so and it's like and like let, I, let's do this and i'm gonna make it happen yes Th- that's the personality for that yes and and i was you know so I, and i'd be the one who'd manage our quake 2 clan um <laughs> for competitive gaming although it's so much man competitive gaming so much better now than it was back then but anyway but um, you've always been crazy enough to believe yes. that you should actually do the ideas you have yeah, and and I and I had a dad who um so this was awkward when we launched Hitmunk. My dad's a travel agent. Still, still yeah. a travel agent in 2015 and he started an agency on his own in Western Maryland probably um sorry dad, 15 years ago. It was a minute ago. And so I saw that oh even longer, maybe 20. Um but like I saw that he was he was starting that while I was in high school. And so I like it, it it demystified starting a company. It was a very different company, right? He's I mean, on the phones all day booking flights and stuff, but like I could see that model and, and I could see it work. And, um, and he managed to survive the dot-com like explosion of mm-hmm. online travel, which is to his credit. Like he found a niche. The secret is old people. That is, <laughs> that is how you keep a travel agency in business right. in 2015. People who don't want to use the internet to book, uh-huh. a, book a trip. But, uh, so he kind of laid an example for you. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll tell you the other thing too. So, um, my, so my mom immigrated from Germany when she was like 24, 25. So while she was basically the other thing that I had in perspective was like at the same time I was starting a company, she was basically changing her entire life. Now, Germany is obviously a country that's, you know, very much a first world country, um, but it's a very different culture, very different language. And all of her relationships and connections pretty much ended when she left. And so she basically said, it. I'm going to New York. I want to be with this dude, my dad. And, uh, and this is what I want my new life to be. 
And like she never I mean, she got a GED like her whole life in Germany was basically irrelevant in America. And and so seeing that, too, really made me think, well, like if this is the hardest thing I'm going to do, like this isn't so bad. And uh, and it really I don't know. It helped. It helped me see. It helped me demystify entrepreneurship and at the same time just kind of like put in place just how not courageous it was. I mean, yes, it's risky, but like at the end of the day, there are, especially when you're a 22 year old with no obligations, like coming out of school, there are much, much more dangerous and like risky things that I could be doing. Right. Well, and and since that initial, you know, you kind of started in a place where there was an early failure Mm -hmm. with, mm, Mm. one day, it's going to be a thing. Since then, uh, what hasn't worked? Mm. I mean, there've been a lot of little projects like, okay, here's a good example. So we are, Reddit finally bought um, Alien Blue on iOS. So if you read Reddit on your Apple device, you should download Alien Blue. Um, but before that, we had, oh, I launched an app called iReddit because <laughs> I wanted people, the hope was that people would say like, originally, it was just, they would say like, I read it on Reddit. And I think that happens. I don't know. But then when the iPhone comes out and everyone's like, apps, 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 I'm like, great, redemption. We can finally do some cool shit on a smartphone. Let's build an app. And we ended up, this was a good lesson in not outsourcing developer work. Um, but we ended up spinning up this I read it app, which I thought was such a clever name. It wasn't. And, uh, and it was just not, it was not a, not a good look. Um, there are plenty of projects. There's plenty of products like that we had to essentially shutter it. I think it's still in the app store, but like there are so many missteps. And the great thing is, is usually no one's paying attention to it because that's why it was a misstep was that no one used it or no one liked it. <laughs> and then Alien Blue was doing the same yeah, idea. It, it's just a much better execution of a way to browse Reddit in an app. Like that was it. And so, and he's a random, he was a developer in Australia, a single developer just making this app out of passion and did an amazing job with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it sounds like your experiences, both the failures and the success mm-hmm. Uh, you rolled those up in into a book and into empowering other people to demystify entrepreneurship for them, right? Yeah. You know, and without their permission, mm-hmm. you talk about gatekeepers and how, uh, well, you can, you can do something without their permission, right? Yeah, and the fact that, like, and it, I, I don't want entrepreneurship. Just sounds like a fancy special word like I, I i i think we do a really great job especially in this country celebrating entrepreneurship which is awesome i think that's great um but it tends to put the people who do it on these pedestals where people are like ah okay this person was able to do it because they are different in these ways and the other and i like that's not for me and i want especially in this age where like so many industries are being reinvented by people who have no re like like who like what what radio station did you guys campaign in order to get a show created right like what mm-hmm. like there are there are so many ways to be entrepreneurial now and it's it's not just people who want to build the next reddit or the next soundcloud it's people who want to use those platforms to be great and and hack it right i mean uh, i can certainly relate we talk about gatekeepers a lot within the entertainment industry having done the television show thing a couple of times mm-hmm. and then you know, finding our voice and our audience directly through YouTube, the gatekeeper was removed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for everyone uh, to create whatever they wanted to create on YouTube. When we were growing up, you were either 
successful as an artist or you were a starving artist, right? Mm -hmm. It was like binary. Like it was one or the other. Yeah. And now it's like as better and better platforms come as, as sort of smarter and smarter ways to monetize those relationships happen in a way that fans love and artists love. Like there are going to be people coming up who just have a different view on creativity who will think like there's actually another way. Like it's not just I have to be Jay-Z or I'm a starving artist, but like I can actually make a living making stuff that I really care about that is really interesting for an audience of people who really love what I do. And by cutting out the middleman and because the cost of distributing it is, is basically zero thanks to the internet, like I can actually find a way to make a living doing this stuff. And a lot of these business models are being created right now, but I am such a believer, uh, such a believer in it. And I guess this is one of the reasons you're a huge advocate of net neutrality. Yeah, uh, man. And you've been fighting that fight for years. Are you, how do you feel about that right now? What do you, what do you think about the latest steps from good. the FCC? Dude, like a, a year ago, I was putting up ads in DC uh, bus stops um, about net neutrality and having and contacting the FCC. Um, and I remember the atmosphere back then was forget it. Wheeler's like former lobbyists for the telcos, like your host cable companies spend more money than anyone else. Almost anyone else. I think in right. DC because lobbying. the writing on the wall, just to oh, bring yeah. everyone up to oh, speed yes. yeah. was. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Comcast it, and Verizon are going to have their way and forget it. You, you're you're gonna not just going to be able to put any, you're not going to, it's not going to be a level playing field. If yes. you, anyone wants to put something on the internet, it's going to be, it's going to be downvoted by people with power and money. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Yeah. And the people who have the power and money will be able to prioritize their stuff, which. It, and it, it would feel like television. It would feel like the gates. A, a tiered The internet. gates are yeah. being uh, Installed. erected. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it flows. It, it's, it's not even, it's. It's not even limited to just content creators because they're all, they would all, all be affected, but it's even the next platform. So like the, the thing that caught a lot of people's attention was Verizon. Oh, was it Comcast? It was either Comcast or Verizon. Um, basically called up Netflix and was like, Hey Netflix, it looks like your service to our customers is really, really right now. Don't know. Don't know why that is. I bet if you paid us more money, we could fix that for you. Like straight up like mafia style mm -hmm. extortion. And and as soon as as soon as Netflix paid up, the service rates went back up and everything was great. Now they did pay. They did pay. And and this set a really dangerous precedent because in this world where a Netflix or anyone with money or power can can buy that kind of higher quality and access, and because the cable companies have that leverage to be able to pull that switch and decide, like when the cable companies decide who the winners and losers are, we're hosed because it doesn't just affect the content creators. It also affects like the next Netflix. Like I do a lot of investing these days. I want to invest in the next Netflix. I'm a Netflix. I'm, I got, I've got a Netflix shareholder, but I still want to invest in that girl who's in her dorm room right now and is going to build the next Netflix killer because that's how innovation works. In a world where Netflix has that kind of power, where we don't have net neutrality, or sorry, where Verizon and Comcast have that kind of power, where we don't have net neutrality, you actually get innovation, like the next Netflix, that gets killed before it even gets started because they don't have a level shot, because mm -hmm. they don't have the deal that Comcast makes with the incumbent. Right. And they lose, not because they're worse, but just because a cable company chose who the winner was. Where are we right now? If you're oh, yes. monitoring the front lines. So, so we're, doing, we're doing very well. If you're uh, the mayor of the internet, as <laughs> Forbes said. Yeah, I, <laughs> we're, we're doing very, very well. Um, I'm not celebrating right now because we still, 
you know, any decision by the FCC still can be meddled with by Congress. Um, and fortunately, Congress has been, I think, one of the least productive ever. At least, I mean, that's not we're not that's not a fortunate thing. But regarding this issue, right. it, it is because at least it doesn't seem like legislation will pass anytime soon that could undo um, net neutrality coming from the FCC. Um, but uh, but we'll have to wait and see. And what's nice, and I think this is the thing we saw during SOPA and PIPA, we saw again here during net neutrality, was so many websites came together. So many websites came together and so many content creators came together and they all went to their respective audiences and communities and said, this is important. Make a call. I mean, signing petitions is great. Sending an email is great. But like, make a call. It's old school, but it really makes a difference. And they delivered. I mean, whether it was signing petitions to the FCC where we had, I think it was a record number of petitions um, fighting for Title II, which is the, the sort of wonky way of saying net neutrality in broadband. And a record number of phone calls to the offices of senators and representatives just to say, like, this is an issue I care about. And it only it really only takes a minute or two. And it actually makes a hell of a difference. Um, yeah, we we went dark on Good Mythical Morning one day as part of that. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, that was our, Thank you. our little part of that. No, but that, that stuff matters because what uh, there are a lot of people who are used to the top down world who are really intimidated and scared by this. Because when there were three major news networks, like you knew who was dictating what was the news of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, in a world where there are so many disparate influencers and mm-hmm. so many disparate places to get that news, it means there's all these different communities. And each one of them has a way of, just like any community, a way of being talked to, a way of being motivated. And that's great because it means that like you all know how to talk to your people in the right way, how to get them excited, how to get them energized. And like, I don't know how to do that. Like, And then they have their own voice life. to talk back yes. or to become a voice in their own right. And yeah. every, you know, so it's power to the people. It is, yes. it is certainly uh, a very beautiful thing that again is embodied in Reddit. It, it kind of, as I've thought about it and Rhett and I have talked about it, a question we've had is what does your experience with Reddit reveal about humanity? <laughs> um, I mean... Are people good? Are people bad? It is... I think all of social media at the end of the day is a reflect. I mean, all this stuff is a reflection of people, right? The good stuff, the bad stuff. Um, I think the hope is, and the thing that we see daily, I mean, mul- multiple times a day, um, are people who don't know each other, who don't even usually have their real name associated with an account. They're just, you know, I don't know, uh, Glacier 24, right? Some alias. Um, Being amazingly thoughtful and just good for no reason other than just because. And I certainly feel like in a world where traditionally it has been whether, whether you have power because you're a major corporation and you want to sell me more deodorant, or whether you're a politician who wants to be reelected, you want to make us fear. You want to make us worried that that dude won't go on a date with me because I smell bad. And so I got to get this deodorant or I'm going to be in trouble. So I need this person to protect me. And so I should vote for them. Um, and it's it happens now so often that we see these things where just disparate people all over the world who don't actually know each other are coming together just to be decent, just to be kind, whether it's, you know, 
seeing hundreds of thousands of people participate in a secret Santa gift exchange every year with total strangers, just sending gifts, the best gifts of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, often for these people are gifts that they're sending to total strangers. And Why are not they doing porn. this? It's not, and they're the not, gift no. is not porn. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it is. But I mean, but Maybe. Reddit yeah. also has to decide, okay, we're not going to allow child porn on our website. Yes. Right. You know, so yeah. So you how, do you, how do you step in at a certain point? Because how do you people, draw that line? Oh well, that one's that one's I mean, very easy. That one's easy. But yeah. then, like, but with, what does it say about humanity? Is my point is that you had yes, mm. that's an easy line to draw, but you mm. had to draw it. Mm. You know, there's, you know, you've got the best of people and the worst of people coming out whenever you give people free reign. Should yeah. everyone really be given free reign? Um. Well, I don't know the alternative, right? I mean, we can the. I, it, it, we, notwithstanding, like actually getting into people's heads and reading their thoughts, like the ultimate, the ultimate solution is just going to be trying to encourage the better behavior. And there's, you know, like I said, even when they try to do something good, like, I mean, the Boston bombing thing that Mm. happened, people trying to do the right thing. And then it, it wasn't. Yeah. Right. So it's it's not even uh, bad people being bad. It's good people accidentally being bad. Yeah, and that was a that was a, a difficult situation too because the thread that misidentified so there was a particular comment thread that misidentified this innocent young man as being a potential suspect in the Boston bombing. That was one of millions on the site that no one was looking at. And unfortunately a couple of journalists like tweeted out Reddit had like journalists tweeted like Reddit may be onto something. I think they discovered who the Boston bomber was. And and that's not to absolve you know, that Redditor of, of posting that comment, but it's, we're in this dangerous ecosystem where so much, there's so much pressure now on being fast. And because, you know, the internet's producing content 24 seven, um, that it's going to be more important than ever that we are right. And I don't know how that looks like the, the rate at which we're going to have information coming out is only going to increase. Everyone with a smartphone is now a reporter. They're not a journalist but they are a reporter. And and in a world where there's going to be more and more information spreading, it's going to be more and more important, I think, for like journalists to do that great job of sifting the signal from the noise. Yeah, um, and I, I think that, you know, you, ha- you, you have to solve these things or at least take a stance in, uh, you know, in, with the infrastructure. Well, with a, gi- with a gentle hand. I mean, if, if you think about it, with if you think about like the Wikipedia principle, I, I know so many people who, anytime you say that you got some information from Wikipedia, they're like, well, that's not reliable. But it's the whole thing that like what you're giving and taking, if you have a few people in charge of information, uh, just because they have some sort of credentials, you still, they go unchecked versus having a democratized process of people presenting information that's Mm self-correcting, you know? And I think that our generation is, is definitely more prone to trust the what's self-regulated the, the well, collective the the hive yeah and i and, and it's it is this is going to be a constant struggle and it makes sense be, given how much we have been misled by authorities i mean if you look right whether it's uh whether it's wars overseas whether it's don't worry everyone needs to have a mortgage don't worry everyone needs to have student loan debt don't worry mm-hmm. we've got the economy covered everything's safe like I, I think in the last 20 years, you have a generation that's really looked around skeptically at a lot of the, I mean, even Brian Williams can't even keep a story straight about right. <laughs> something that like it, it doesn't mean that crowdsourcing is the panacea, but I think 
what is interesting is that so many people are looking to like they're they're looking to these technologies and to these this sort of aggregated wisdom or not wisdom but this aggregated insight into what is interesting mm-hmm. and what is relevant and then hoping that things get vetted essentially in real time well and, and it's being and it being worth the risk i mean there's going to be risk involved in however we receive information and spread information but it seems like it's going to be the the risk is is lower uh when there's more people involved well and mm-hmm. i you know i'm not just interested in the solutions in the future but going back to the whole question about humanity mm-hmm. i think that it separate from everything we just said it reddit provides a window into call it what you will call it the human soul or consciousness that's a uh, 200 million people yeah um so personally mm-hmm. again what well, you know i think where you were going to a place of uh, it became a, reddit became a source of hope in humanity for you mm-hmm. um but I think people who kind of uh, graze Reddit would be like, "Oh, that's a that's a scary place," or you know, I, I don't, oh. I'm an outsider, yeah. or there's some, you know, this, the, the the internet is scary when people just can kind of express themselves. So, I mean, where do you where do you land? What's your what's your what's your view of that? The consciousness, the my view of humanity. <laughs> well, I mean, this is I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think. I mean, I'm a pretty active consumer of most social media, and there are days when I just need to shut off Twitter. There are days when I need to shut off even Instagram, and I'm just like, stop. Um, There are days when I need to close Reddit, right? There are days when I need to unplug from it all because it really is a reflection of anyone who's got an internet connection. And I think it it is because it is that glimpse into people and like I said, this is about 200 million people, right? This is like, uh, if this were a country, I mean, this is two thirds the size of the United States. I couldn't even generalize, like, <laughs> I couldn't even generalize the state of North Carolina, let alone generalizing, you know, 200 million people. Um, but I think what people are now searching for more than ever is authenticity. I think we've had, whether it's because of, like, you know, whether it's because of over aggressive PR firms, whether it's because of, uh, you know, people who come off as these infallible tastemakers and deciders who are telling us what's right in this weird paternalistic way. Um, I think they want authenticity and they'll understand, like we understand that bad things happen in this world, right? There, there are not nice, there are not good people. Um, but the vast majority of us are actually reasonable, decent people. I mean, I've seen this literally all over the world. Like at the end of the day, when you're breaking bread with someone, no matter where they are, no matter what their faith, no matter what they're whatever, like they just want to see that their family is well and that hopefully their kids do a little better than they do. And I think if we didn't have, I mean, as long as we have humans, we're going to have that range. But I really do see across social media more reasons to be hopeful than not. Hmm. And, you know, you bring up authenticity. I, I It's the value of whether you're good or bad, the overarching ba- value of of realness, of being real, is is a valuable commodity. If 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 there's bad in you, I think there's and bad good in everyone. And yeah, if there's yeah. if there's bad and good in everyone, mm-hmm. then I'd much rather see it for what it is than cover it up for what it's not. I think that is it's an interesting value to kind of add to the mix when you're talking about you know uh, good and evil or good and bad or 
uh, pure motives or tainted motives. You know, it's just slathering on that authenticity or maybe pulling back, yeah. pulling back the cover to we're reveal sensitive. We're sensitive, especially when somebody calls something, tries to make something bad seem good. We're really sensitive to that, you mm-hmm. know? That's, uh, we, are, we have a keen, this generation has a keen sense of that kind of thing, which is what you're getting at. Yeah, and I see it, I mean, even in the way celebrities, I mean, like, why was it such a big deal in the mainstream media that, uh, Lord posted a photo of herself with like pimple cream on because I think for one world that's really w- like what what's going on why would why would a famous person be showing something like that but mm-hmm. for all of her fans that was the relationship they have yeah and and I, I mean that's one sort of silly glimpse into it but I think social media represents people you know warts and all and and for like I said I I have many more reasons to believe in people than I do don't um, because of it um, the the hope for me is that we can keep pushing we can keep showing people more of the stuff that's happening every day that is just decent and reasonable and good and they will actually see more of that um it's hard right on the nightly news right that's just i mean it's murder reports um it's hard through so many media channels to see that kind of glimpse and i think it means more right if you had a place where only like where and this is not to justify imperfect behavior, but like I said, we're, I don't think any of us is, is 100% pure and good. And, and I think few people would believe that. Um, but for a while, we've had a lot of, like the way stuff has been communicated to us has been with this misperception that like this person is an authority, this person is 100% right, this person is perfect because you're seeing the polished, you're seeing the Brian Williams version on the nightly news being that person telling you here's mm-hmm. what's important. Um, because we're now saying, all right, well, Let's all figure out what's important. What's the news of the day together? We know that comes with just all of the the scope of it. Uh, and the fact that more often than not, good stuff happens is even more interesting and I think meaningful because we know that that's not like that, that that is happening in spite of the fact that humans are not perfect, always good people. Okay, but l- let's ask the most important question of the day. Okay. Uh, which is... For a content creator, like a YouTuber, hmm? how do you use Reddit to get more views? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is where this is where we have um just keep it simple. This is okay? where we have that breakdown. This is so it's it's hard because it's not as obvious as like just it's not as obvious as like get a bunch of followers or whatnot. It really is make great stuff, which I hope everyone aspires to do. And then when it bubbles up on Reddit get engaged. So, you know, if, if you're, and you can run periodic searches, there's a, so you're saying don't come up with a username that's not you and post your own do work. Do not AstroTurf. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, okay. We'll, there's we'll stop doing AstroTurfing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it is, here's the thing, right? So your video could be submitted to any number of like 8,000 plus communities. And each one of those communities is different and distinct. And so if it gets submitted to like, the videos community, that's a pretty general, large community, but maybe it's music or maybe it's like, there's a Balkan folk music community that I recently discovered. Um, but each one of them is going to have a different discussion about it because they are like, it's like, imagine like a digital community center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of like imagining you're walking into that and just saying like, Hey, what's up? I made this thing. Like, I'm glad you liked the choice of instrument or whatever. Like it is, 
in that way, it is actually a much a much closer parallel to real human life than I think a lot of the other platforms because like, I mean, like we go on Twitter and we're essentially just shouting and, and hopefully there's some followers who might catch what we're saying. Um, but you would never walk into a room and just be like, Hey, check out my thing. I'm out of here. Hey, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm leaving it. And here the, it is. <laughs> I'm out. And like, and like the, the message board model, we didn't invent the message board, but that model lends itself much more to basically just engaging like a human. Mm -hmm. So that's the advice right. is just be human and then find ways or make great stuff. And then, and then, join conversations when they're happening. Okay, so you're of no help, but no I'll help. let you sign the <laughs> table anyway. Yay. Uh, yeah, this has been really cool. Thanks for hanging out with us. Well, there it was, an ear biscuit with Alexis Ohanian. Uh, tweet at him and let him know what you thought of our conversation. Alexis Ohanian is his Twitter handle. Uh, use hashtag ear biscuit so we can be included in that conversation, guys. Appreciate the uh, feedback there. Also, give us a review on iTunes or leave a comment. Well, a good review. I mean, if you're gonna say something bad, don't say anything at no, all. No, I mean, any review is helpful to yeah, us. Yeah, say what, say what you feel, guys. Speak on from the iTunes heart. On iTunes or comment on SoundCloud. Uh, now, he introduced me not, not to a concept that I didn't know about, but to a term for a concept that I didn't know about, and that is astroturfing. That's when you basically pimp yourself your own post out on Reddit. Right, which, uh, because it's it's planning something fake. I yes. guess is what AstroTurf is. Yes, thanks for explaining that. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Uh, oh, you didn't know I why? didn't realize it until you just said that. Oh. <laughs> but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. You just thought it was a cool term. <laughs> well, I'd never heard the term either, but I, but I, just, but I sat there and thought about it for a second. But I've AstroTurfed quite a lot, I'm, and I'm here Back to confess in the day. that. Yeah, I mean, we don't do not, it now. Not any time recently, but okay. So we've been doing this internet thing for a long time. We got started in 06. Um, so in 06, I would say in 06 and 07, uh, maybe a little bit in 08, but really strong in 07, probably peaked in 07. I did whatever astroturfing is on YouTube. I created a oh, number gosh. of fake names, fake profiles to come in and thumbs up, not thumbs up, but what, what did you even do back then? To comment, I guess. Comment. Um, you commented on our videos oh, to somebody else. Oh, no, because it was back in the day where there were so few comments that one comment could really make a difference, you know. It could really sway the conversation, and like if people were reacting badly to something, right? It's kind of like what top comments do today. But you're saying you also did that on Reddit more uh, recently? Yeah, uh, no, not more recently. I would say 08 would be the most recent that I would have done that. Uh, back hey, when, check out this video that I didn't make. <clears throat> cough. And I and I would never say that I didn't make it. I would just say, you know, it would be our video, and I and and I had like a Reddit profile that wasn't my name. I mean, I'm a little ashamed of it, especially now that I've talked to Alexis. Are you but prepared I was to, desperate, man. to tell us what the, I have no the names idea. were? No, I, I, and I couldn't, I, could, I, I would be prepared, but it would be something like Doug McDermott or something like that. I mean, I just, <laughs> a lot of times I would put in my aliases, I'll put a, a Mick in the front of the last name. I don't know why we, so crim when we you criminals read those do comments, that. You you remember that it was you because yeah. you don't want to fall for it yourself. Well, you know, wow, that guy's really nice. He's really he's a super fan. But have you ever noticed that that that's what uh, that's what criminals do with their aliases? So if my name is Rhett McLaughlin, then like my criminal name is like Reggie Mc, you know, McLean. You know, it's like 
And because they don't want to forget. Yeah, you don't want to get too off of what your real name is. So a lot of my aliases had the Mick in them. And listen, but you should be thinking me. You got to keep the initials the same. So if somebody calls you up by your initials, what are your initials? R M. Oh yeah, that's me, Reggie McLean. But see, here's the thing: you should be thanking me for this because we may not be sitting here at this round table of dim lighting right now. If uh, if I hadn't cheated a little bit, thank you. I'm Rhett. just kidding. It was probably wasn't effective, and I'm a little ashamed of it. I apologize for astroturfing. It will never happen again. If you're doing it right now, you should immediately stop. Thank you for listening to this ear biscuit and forgiving Rhett along with me for astroturfing. Uh, <laughs> talk at you next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>